This is Real Estate Rookie Show Number Four. I do three to four months reserve for each property, and then I would look at new potential deals as long as they match the numbers. My mentor told me basically, Felipe, all that's really happening right now is that your numbers are going to be easier to hit because prices are going to be going down, right? He said your numbers are going to be easier to hit as long as you're not out on the street eating bologna, right? I mean, make sure that for you, your numbers are in place and the deals are going to make sense, then go for it. And I'm here with my co-host, Felipe Mejia, and his parrot. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Why did you have to bring it up right away? (laughs) You couldn't wait to say that, could you? The whole recording. (sighs) I thought it was a smoke detector. (laughs) This is terrible. Okay, guys, I'm in Florida. I'm supposed to be headed back to Nashville soon. I'm at my in-law's house, and they have a parrot, right? And you can hear it in the background during the whole show. And no one decided to tell me. I've been here for a while, so it's just kind of background noise. I can't even tell. And it's just chirping away the whole time during this conversation. But anyways. Well, I had a good laugh over it. (laughs) No, it was great. It was great. So today we actually have a different type of show. We're actually going to be doing live calls, a video where people are asking us questions regarding what we're doing during this corona time, during the virus, and how we're investing, how we're uh, using what we know to further our real estate. Are we sitting back? And I, there's some great questions on there from wholesaling to Airbnb and everything in between. I love this show. This was one of my favorites, especially having people call in live and talking with us. That was really cool. Um, I got excited about someone who's starting with the wholesaling, and it was just really inspirational how it didn't work out, but they're still going and doing it. But then we touch about how people are handling tenants who can't afford to pay right now. So I like going over all that stuff. And with people asking these questions, it always makes me think too about, you know, am I am I doing it the way that I want to do it? And I'm always learning too from everyone. So I thank you to everyone that called in today. Absolutely. I think there's so much knowledge in today's show because it was live and people were asking questions based on what's going on today. You know, it's changing every 12 hours. Ashley, how are you doing up north? How's everything with you and your family? Is everyone okay? Yeah. uh, New York State started a pause order where it's not mandatory to shelter in place, but everything that's non-essential has shut down. So I've basically been home uh, in the barn or <laughs> at my rehab, So, which there's no one there. But luckily, the hardware stores are, are still open. But we did try to stock up on stuff so that we don't have to go out as much. What about yeah, definitely. in Florida? How long are you going to be quarantined down there? <laughs> so we're quarantined down here for a little bit. We have five acres and two homes. I know that's like just a backyard to you. You have like 100 or 200 acres. <laughs> but we're just out here. Um, luckily, we do have the beach and a pool. But we're staying away from that right now as there's still tons of people there. But yeah, we're good. My son loves it out here. He's got five acres to run around, get his feet dirty and just be a boy. So he's digging it, being away from the city. He thinks we're on a long vacation. So no problems there. As long as my family's happy, I am good. But let's start the show here. Let's get ready to start answering some questions. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. 
They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com, or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. If you're in the landlord game, you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where Rent Ready steps in. Now, Rent Ready's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. So say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with Rent Ready. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. Now, if you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for just $1. You can't beat that. So visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Okay, Andres, what do you got, brother? What's going on? My question is, if my goal is to generate cash flow, with the uncertainty of the coronavirus, what do you guys think I should be doing? Because maybe I get a property and the tenants might not pay or I might not get any tenants. Sure. I think that right now there definitely is an uncertainty if tenants are able to pay their rent. What I would do is if you're looking for a property right now, maybe look for properties that have tenants in place that are able to pay. Maybe they have their nurses, doctors in healthcare, or they work at a grocery store. They're part of the essential service. So going in, buying that deal, you know, you have tenants in place. Maybe they have six months left on their lease. And these are essential workers that will be able to pay their rent. I would also look into, hopefully this does not last forever. In New York State, it's doing, they're doing a 90-day hold on evictions. So maybe you go into the property saying, okay, I have the cash reserves to cover, you know, the expenses for three, two months. And then I will go and I will find a long-term tenant thinking that this will be over. Uh, That would be my strategy if you want to buy right now is to try and look what kind of tenant you're going to get in there or who is already in there. And then make sure you have those cash reserves to pay for a couple months if your tenant is unable to. Perfect. Yeah, Andres, one of the things that I would tell you, man, is just do a little more due diligence when uh, screening tenants. You know, definitely do the things that I feel like a lot of times as rookie landlords, we forget to do, like actually call their references on their job. You're allowed to call and see, you know, what their standing is like and stuff. So you can definitely figure those things out. Doing some due diligence, I think, is going to save you a lot of headaches in this situation. I think a lot of people are going to be looking for places to rent 
you know, cheaper rent than they were paying. So I think right now, one of the more crucial things that I'm doing is making sure that I'm screening my tenants properly to make sure that they do still have a job. They do are able to pay no rent and, and that they're in good standing and definitely be calling their last landlord to see how they treated them. You know, that's really important. Those are things that you are allowed to ask. So that's what I would be doing right now, man. Great. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Andreas. See you, buddy. Bye. That's a big uncertainty right now, Ashley, where people are wondering if their tenants are going to be able to pay or if they have a vacancy, you know, bringing new tenants in. And I'm just telling everyone that I know, I'm like, man, just just be really, just do your due diligence as best as possible. You're going to fail to the systems that you have in place. So just create great systems for finding great tenants. Right. And I think buy and hold has always been kind of a safe strategy compared to flipping in a recession. But this whole thing right here is kind of showing that, you know, it's not always... A safe bet, like when a state puts this, you know, 90 day hold on evictions. And I feel like some ways the media is broadcasting that it comes across as, oh, you don't have to pay rent for 90 days or whatever it is for your state. And I I think that, you know, property managers need to do a really good job explaining to their resident. That doesn't mean you just don't pay and then you're back on pace after 90 days. You will have to make that up. So I've talked to a lot of investors who are working with their tenants to kind of structure something with the residents. So my property management company is doing a tiered program and owners can opt in or opt out. So like if you pay $600 or less a month, you're getting $100 off uh, your rent for the next three months if you pay on time. So it's kind of a little incentive base to have people pay instead of letting that bill build up until the end of the 90 days. So I like seeing all the different ways that people are handling this and there is no right or wrong way at all. Yeah, no, I got you. All right, well, let's bring in here Anna. I think she's got a couple of good questions. Anna, how you doing? Hi, Anna. My question, which Ashley kind of just went into it right away, is you how and Felipe for you how are you dealing with if people cannot pay rent are you giving them some sort of help I know that in our my real estate kind of Facebook group that I have here in Wisconsin people are giving like fifteen percent off I mean people are being really nice so sure. how are you dealing with that Sure so one of the things that I'm doing and I'm stealing this from Brandon Turner and some other you know people that I follow is I'm giving them options to opt into once they call with concerns. So I'm not calling them and saying, hey, I need this, this, and this, and this. But what I don't want to do is make a decision emotionally when they call and not be prepared for the call, right? And I'm talking about my tenants. So once my tenant calls, I give them one or two options. One option that I have is I have a couple of websites from the city in Nashville where I live where they can go and find resources. So that's one option that I have. Another option that I have is I tell them, why don't we defer one payment over the course of the next amount of your lease? So let's say I have seven months left on their lease and let's say their mortgage is $1,000. So we divide that money into the seven months and we add that you know, for the rest of the months and that alleviates one month. We're all human. I'm not gonna try to kick someone out during this time. So we have to work together to try to give options. That's the second option. Another option that I give to them is there is resources from the government, like loan payments or, you know, things like that that they can get. Or even at their own bank, maybe they can apply for a loan to pay their mortgage at a really low interest, if not zero. There's a ton of things that are being offered right now for this stuff. Like like I said, we're all in this together. But those are some of the options that I'm giving my tenants to make sure that, that they're not late on rent. But again, the main answer to that is be prepared because those phone calls may or may not be coming, but you want to make sure that you're not answering them with emotion, but you're answering them with an operating procedure that you've created prior to the issue coming to you. 
Yeah, I agree with Felipe on that. There seems to be 50-50 whether people are reaching out now or waiting for their tenants to reach out. But the important thing is that either way, you have a procedure in place as to how you're going to handle it instead of waiting for them to call and then be like, uh, I don't know. You know, I think it comes off a lot better and you know that it will work for you. You want to have a procedure in place so you can still make your rent. You can still, or your mortgage, you can still pay your property taxes. You can still pay your insurance. But I do see a lot of uh, landlords and property managers like my own doing uh, the credit. And then there are some people who I have at least that are on section eight and pretty much most of their rent is going to be paid for anyways. But I I do like the tips you gave Felipe. Awesome. Thanks guys. Be proactive. I guess that's pretty much what you guys are saying. So I'll make sure to relay that. Awesome. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Anna. All right, Ashley, you want to bring in our next guest? Yeah, let's uh, bring on Connor. Hey there, Ashley and Felipe. I currently live in Michigan, but I have a rental property in Denver. And my question is, with a tenant moving out or supposed to be moving out on March 31st and new tenants supposed to be moving in on April 15th, worried that with all the things going on with coronavirus and shutting down of cities that they may not be able to move out and move in, leaving me with vacancy. So um, should I wait to basically get rid of all my savings and buy my next house hack? Uh, Or should I take action on any deal that I think is a good fit that I find here in the next couple months? I want to continue to invest, but I don't want to be stuck with two mortgage payments on my own. Okay. Have you reached out to the tenants moving out and the ones moving in to make sure they're, as of right now, they're both on track to do that? I have reached out to the tenant that is supposed to be moving out. He isn't the greatest communicator. So I haven't heard if he plans to or not. Um, And then the tenants that are supposed to be moving in, my property manager has... She was the one that found those tenants. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard one way or another if we are on track or not. But I can find that out likely in the next day or so. Yeah. And then if they haven't already, make sure they get a, a hold deposit. But I'm sure being a property management company, they probably did. So that can kind of help a little bit, you know, if they do back out. But I was talking about this with a, a friend this morning, actually. And he has someone that's already delayed two weeks. They're moving in because of everything that's going on. So if they don't move in, worst case scenario, three months, do you think it would be vacant two months? I would say three months just to be safe. Like I I don't think that, but make sure you have those reserves. And then if you still have extra money, I would go and yes, buy another property. I'm not as actively looking as I was, but if I get a property emailed to me, I'm still looking for that deal and if it makes sense. But right now is a very important time to make sure you have reserves for all of your properties. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Felipe, did you want to add? Yeah, I'll just add a little bit there, Connor. I think Ashley was spot on. Jeez, that was great. One of the things that I would tell you is I would. I heard a little bit about should I keep looking? I would, right? If your numbers still make sense, take emotions out of it. And in that numbers, I mean, you need to make sure that you have, you know, your reserves for every single one of your property. Three to four months is typical. Some people do six months and that's cool too. I do three to four months reserve for each property. And then I would look at new potential deals 
as long as they match the numbers. My mentor told me basically, Felipe, all that's really happening right now is that your numbers are going to be easier to hit because prices are going to be going down. Just take the, he said nothing about emotion, right? He said, your numbers are going to be easier to hit as long as you're not out on the street eating bologna, right? I mean, make sure that for you, your numbers are in place and the deals are going to make sense then go for it, right? As investors, we all talk about, oh, I can't wait till the next downturn to continue to be investing in cheaper properties. And then it happens and people are, you know, freaking out, which I get. But this is where I think a lot of the wealth is going to be distributed to people that took action versus people that didn't take action. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. Let's bring in Dimitri. I gotta, I gotta, I want to get your opinion on, uh, on something. I have an opportunity to, uh, to purchase my neighbor's home. It's a three family. So I would have to fill three vacancies. And that concerns me. I have reserves that'll hold me down for a couple of months. But again, given the current state, I don't know how long this would last. So although I could ride it out for a couple of months, at some point it'll start, uh, you know, it'll start eating into me where I won't be able to do it. So I just wanted to get your take on filling three vacancies in today's market. How long will it take you to close on the property? So when would you actually need to start? That's another, getting appraisers, inspectors out right now, that's another another issue. They're not in a rush to sell them again because it's off market. You know, I can work with them. Yeah. Um, because they do understand the current circumstances. I don't think this is bad for you. I think you should use this to your advantage in that they're not in a rush to sell, but I would right. definitely get it under contract do about a 45-day, 50-day close, whatever whatever they want, the longer the better. But once you have that property in contract, I would start putting it on Realtor, Zillow, Craigslist, Facebook, all across the board looking for tenants. I would personally go about 50 bucks under market value for rent and just start hitting it every 10 days, dropping it just a little bit and start weeding out the bad tenants and really just, while you're under contract, I start looking for tenants. You know, so so you can start looking at this potential tenancy. And if they're not in a rush, that's actually a good thing, right? Because they, they that's giving you more time to screen tenants and look for potential right. good ones versus 30-day close, have to get people in there immediately, right? So it gives you a little bit more leverage time. 45, 50 days is great, man. I think that's perfect. I think that's best case scenario, honestly. Yeah, I think that's better than, you know, you have a two-week or 30-day closing because of everything that's going on right now. This will kind of delay that out for you. Did that answer your question there, Dimitri, though? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I, well, I would hey, say man, go for it. On. Start the process. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. No worries. It looks like we have Travis here. It's interesting to see what's going on and what challenges the long-term landlords are having versus the, the short-term. Just because travel is, is so much stopped in the day that we live and everybody's trying to stay quarantined as much as they possibly can. So... I had some thoughts, but kind of y'all's thoughts on, uh, I know Felipe, you do room by the room. I'm also doing room by the room, trying to fill a couple of rooms and dropping the rates significantly to just try to push people through. Um, but other kind of creative thoughts and ideas of, of how to go about um, listing your properties to, to be able to get long-term tenants. So one of the things that uh, I've asked my mentors with STR, short-term rental, is, you know, what's the best thing to do right now? And a lot of them are saying not to necessarily switch your whole strategy, but just maybe pivot a little bit. One of the best advice that I've gotten so far has been, if you're in the STR market, maybe go to a LTR, a long-term rental, but more like a six-month lease if it, if it allow it, because you don't want to be stuck in a one-year lease when you can go right, you know, let's say that you're in, I don't know, Orlando and you're next to Disney World and you want to be able to open back up. Once Disney opens back up, you don't want to be stuck in a one-year lease missing out on all the Airbnb action, right? 
So that's one of the things that I would do, bro. I would probably kind of go for a medium size lease. Is that a, is that a new word? A medium <laughs> instead of a short or a long? <laughs> yeah, one like a six month lease would be good if somebody's willing to take it and then be about fifty to hundred bucks under market value. I think is bread and butter. I don't think right now is the time to be hoarding or, or trying to like get money from all your tenants or everything. Right now is the time to kind of come together as a team and let's say let's just write it out. At the end of the day, the two most important things are cash flow and paying your mortgage. I think too that people are going to start getting antsy quarantining in their house. And I think that there are going to be some people that, you know, travel, you know, even if it's a, an hour car ride and stay in an Airbnb for a week or whatever, where they can control the cleanliness, unlike a hotel and quarantine themselves in there. I have one short-term rental and we got pretty lucky. We have a family staying in there for the next month and a half because they're doing a major rehab in their house. So they are still coming because they're local and live right in the town. But I have to agree with Felipe if get switched to long-term. My unit is in an apartment complex, so everything else is a long-term unit there. But that will take some time because as from one of the previous callers, they're worried about finding a long-term tenant too. Nobody is looking to move right now. So it'll be interesting to see how many people actually do move into new apartments. And if this quarantine does last long, people whose leases are up are probably going to want to get to bigger apartments. (laughs) They're going to be stuck inside of them. So maybe they will move. But what were your uh, thoughts on it, Travis? Yeah, so I mean, I've been doing a lot of different things and doing a lot of research, but slashing prices on my Airbnbs definitely been something that has started getting a lot more views. Exactly mm-hmm. like you're saying, actually, there's a lot of people out there that can only handle being confined in the in a home with their family members for so yeah. long and need to get out and, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So trying to like market my my properties in a unique way. One of them has a private pool, so you got everything that you need: Netflix, Prime Video, Disney Plus. So trying to, to really show that like, hey, there's, yes, like this is, this will allow you to get out, but slashing the prices to try to attract more people yeah, and yeah. be able to show that like, hey, this is a full experience that you're still going to be able to have, even though the parks are closed down right now, you'll still be able to have a good time with the family at the pool and, and the, the resort and everything where my rentals are, are, are still open as well. So um, just continuing to try to find unique ways to, to try to get some people, if they want to to get out of the house, a little getaway. Dude, say something about like recently deep deep cleaned or something. I mean, that's what I'd be looking for yeah. in an Airbnb. When was it recently deep cleaned by like bleach? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All well, right, thank thanks, you, Travis. Travis. We appreciate it, brother. You know, that's interesting about the Airbnb, how quickly people that were in that market are are getting like hammered and stuff. I've heard a lot of people. Yeah. But you know, what's crazy is I was actually texting Travis the other day and he said that he recently got a really big booking from people that are still traveling. I was kind of like, man, that's a little scary, but I guess I'm, I'm waiting to see, you know, what they were traveling for, if that is, because it's not just Disney World. I mean, people travel for other stuff, so I guess we'll find out. But um, all right, let's bring in Diego here. What's up, man? How you doing? My question for you guys, how are you guys shifting your investment strategies as we go into the downturn here in 2020? Are you guys holding off to cash or will you guys be actively investing right now? Good question, Diego. Yeah. Go for it. I'll go first. I am hoarding cash, but I usually do that anyways. Um, But (laughs) a little extra, a little extra, just because I sleep so much better at night knowing that I have reserves and 
that I can cover all my bills for an extended amount of time. But I still am actively looking because there are still good deals out there. And I'm hoping that this does not last very long, at least the quarantine period and people out of their jobs. I hope that once in New York State, we're at a two-week pause period. So I'm hoping once that is over and everyone can go back to work, most people that will be able to get get caught up and there'll be people moving and wanting to get into units. And it takes about 90 days to, you know, if you're lucky or 45 days to close on a property in New York State. So even if I look now, it would be a long time before I could actually close. So I still am actively looking. That's awesome. Okay. We have a Facebook question. Yeah. Donnie says, where do you see this going in three months? I have a chance to buy distressed home that would take three months for a rehab. Deal is 30K. And flip would take 120K, would be 120,000, 20 to 30K in rehab. Good question, Donnie. So personally, right now, I wouldn't be doing a flip to sell. If I was going to do a yeah. property and the numbers make sense, it would be more of a rental play for me with the outcome of selling it. So let me explain and then I'll let Ashley chime in. So me and Ashley did a podcast that's the last one, episode three. Is that right, Ashley? Because we only have yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Basically, what we were told was every deal you buy during this time has to make sense for two ways. So for this, it could be a good exit strategy to sell since you flipped it, but it has to hold market rent right now. I wouldn't do this to sell it. Personally, I would buy this if the numbers make sense. I mean, they have to really make sense, not like you're trying to finesse the numbers, but they really got to make sense on paper. Take the emotion out of it then rent it for six months to maybe a year, depending, and then flip it on the other side if that's your gameplay. If your gameplay is to flip it, then it has to make sense as a rental and it has to make sense as a flip. So that's what I would do with this. What about you, Ashley? Yeah, I wouldn't do a flip right now. Well, I'm never done a flip, but um, I was actually listening to Jay Scott talk on the Bigger Pockets episode last week and about how he has, I think, three maybe flips going on right now or a bunch of them. And, but he said he's not actively looking to do any more. And I, I wouldn't either. I don't think that a lot of people are, are buying right now because of what's going on. Nobody's moving. They're <laughs> hoarding their right, cash. Right. Like we just talked about with Diego. And if we are going into a recession, I wouldn't want to be a flipper, especially high end. A lot of people say that, you know, maybe mobile home parks are the, the way to go right now you want affordable housing to provide. So I agree with maybe burring it, turning it into a rental property. And then once you get that uh, tax advantage of owning it as an, an investment property and then selling it as a flip later on down the road. But definitely having an exit strategy. So uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good answer. All right, Donnie, thanks for the question, man. Love it. Let's go to Sonny. Who has a question here? What's going on, Hi, brother? Sunny. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, congratulations on the new podcast. I've been a huge fan of Bigger Pockets for so long. So, first of all, to have something, you know, people that are beginning, that is that is awesome. So, shout out to you guys for that. My question to you guys is more revolving around for people that are starting out. I'm, I'm a person that that is looking to save some money. You know, not having the, the adequate time to kind of run through the numbers. You know, I did come across companies like Roofstock and Home Union. Just kind of wanted to get some some of your own personal feedback on the on companies like that. The numbers aren't like 12% return or anything like that, but they're, but they're decent, you know, for someone who's starting out. What is your thought process on, on working with companies like that? Is this a turnkey property? Yes, they are. Yeah, I have not used any company like that. I think it can be an advantage for people who don't have the time. But 
my advice would be to find a partner instead. If what you're lacking is time, find someone who has done deal analysis and has the time to find you a deal and partner that way. I just, I like to have a lot more control over my properties than like if I went and bought from a big entity like this, I feel like it's not as personable as me and a partner, you know, digging into that property and picking our own managers and stuff like that. I have bought a couple properties that were pretty much turnkey, but I bought them way below value and it would be a lot more to purchase them from an actual turnkey company. Like you said, you're not getting that big return. But my advice would be to look at if you can find a partner first. If not, you know, look at, look, just do your research on these companies. Got it. That answers my question. Thank you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, honey. I was going to tell them to make sure, I was going to sound like a broken record and be like, hey, make sure you're running your numbers. Make sure that you're, um, the due diligence. Yeah. Do your due diligence, (laughs) man. I don't care if it's coming from you know, the best gurus in the world, we all see what's kind of happening with, you know, with everything going on YouTube with some of these huge, big players in the game. I I don't care who it's coming from. I'm running my own numbers. I'm running my own due diligence. I'm making sure that the rent is going to hold. And I'm running my numbers more conservatively than before, making sure that I'm not running my my numbers at, oh, this is the most I can get for rent, but I'm running my numbers more as this is the least that I'm going to get for rent. And I got to, I got to go based on that. Be conservative. Exactly. Not where it was yeah. like, oh, I can get $1,000 a month on this one. No, the minimum that I can probably get is probably 750 to survive. So I'm going to run my numbers based on that. And anything past yeah, that is I just, agree. you know, icing on the cake. Is that what and you're kind of- overinflate, yeah, overinflate my expenses, like property taxes, whatever, you know, they are now, I always inflate because they could be reassessed in five years. Yeah. And I don't want that to affect my cash flow. So- Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rookies, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. Nope, they've now rolled out proof of income verification. So let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets, but if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. How great of a deal is that? So visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP like Bigger Pockets Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for only $1.
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. No, exactly. Okay. All right, so let's bring in Lewis. Okay, my question is more about wholesaling. This weekend, I, I was sending out letters like you're supposed to. I've never done wholesaling. I took a couple courses and read it and did what they said, and it actually started working. I got my first call back. Wow. I went yeah. out there. Yeah, it was it's really kind of crazy because when you hear about what it is, it doesn't make sense. But when you do it, like, oh, I get it now. It's It feels different. And I went into a place, and the place was definitely, he didn't need me. He, he had a $900,000 house he wanted to sell on the water, which he thought was beautiful. And I was like, well, you know, I need some work. And I gave him this, his number. He came back, and that's kind of low. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. It was a great experience, I must say. I learned more about wholesaling just trying it than actually yeah. doing it. And well, it's also so terrifying because they don't tell you, you know, wholesaling is pretty simple once you get there. But it's that, it's that why is there such a mystery around wholesaling? That's my thing. Why is there such a, it's like everybody tells you, but you don't believe them. And then when you do it, you're like, oh, it is exactly like that. It is so <laughs> much like that. I think it's because you have to take the action. Like you have to actually talk to people. You have to actually call them. You have to actually go to their house. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from doing those things is because you have to actually do something where if you're looking to, you know, buy a rental property, you can just sit back on your computer and look at rentals and do deal analysis. But you're for wholesaling, you have to, what were you, you did direct mail? Yeah, I did direct mail. I yeah. did a, I, funny enough, I, I, only, I sent out only 80 letters and I got one response. Yeah. And I'm and like, I think oh. a lot of people get caught up too on what should I put in my letter? Like you can Google a million different samples and there's no right or wrong way, but just write something and, and send it out. You have to take action on it. You know, one of the things that you could, uh, or, or I think the mystery behind, like Ashley said, is people don't take action. And maybe people are so used to being paid, you know, I don't know, $15 an hour working a year to get fifteen fifty. Or you could do one wholesale deal and make 10 grand, right? And they're like, that's just not possible. No, that can't happen to me. I'm an <laughs> average person. You know, and I used to think that way. I'm born in the South. I'm a Hispanic kid. You know, I'm five, six. I never would have expected to have <laughs> 40 plus tenants. Like that just doesn't happen to me. But then I, I switched my vision to why not me? And that's when it happened, right? And and I think I think that's what you're doing now. It's like, well, why not me? Everyone else can do this. There's plenty to go around. Why not me? So we need to get out of that mentality of, oh, well, you know, I deserve a 50 cent raise after yeah. a year. It's like, no, you deserve you deserve a wholesale deal now. Like, let's make that work. They just think, that, I, I feel like a lot of people maybe just think that it's out of the realm for them and that that's for the other people and not for them. And I would challenge you to say, no, like, this is for you. You can do this. I don't care if you're a woman, a minority, big, little, short, tall. This is for you and you can do this. I know when I first got into real estate, I kept saying, oh, I don't want to wholesale. That just sounds like, oh, I don't get that. Who'd want to do that? <laughs> 
And now after right. one deal, I'm like, this is the greatest thing next to sliced bread. I need more of this. <laughs> so how did that deal turn out? It, it didn't turn out the way I wanted. Oh, he, he rejected yeah. my offer. But I was. it was one of those things of, even in the rejection, he was very, very polite. I got a lot of experience right. knowing what to look for. I mean, I tell people, I, I took a class in wholesaling for $45 and it was more than worth the money. This is, and, this yeah. is. Yeah. And what happened? Okay. He rejected your offer. That was no so scale. horrible. I mean, that's it. <laughs> How did you, why did you even try? <laughs> but like you said, it's a learning experience and you can. And the whole process took, I mean, really like three days. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, okay, great. Didn't work out. All right, bye. On to the next yeah. one. <laughs> yep. Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you got to see a really nice house. He said, no, best case scenario, you would have made, you know, a bunch of money. So I think that's awesome, dude. Keep crushing it. Yeah. This is how bad it is. I've already got my letters ready. Good. Let's go. Awesome. Let's Keep go. It up. Yeah, cool. Thank you for Lewis, calling you, in. You got to come back in the Facebook group on the Rookie Real Estate Facebook group and come in and yeah. post once you get your first one, okay? I will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, brother. He was really excited. I liked him. I know. <laughs> I'm excited for him. Okay, so let's bring on uh, Glenn. Glenn Santos. What's up, man? So I have two questions for you guys. Well, one for both of you and one for Ashley. So the first one I'll ask is for being that it's going to be my, I chose the perfect time to go look for my first deal with this whole coronavirus going on. What extra precautions or things to look out for would you give advice in going for my first deal? I would wear a hazmat suit, a face <laughs> mask. <laughs> I would go covered up to the T. I would go um, covered is up. This gonna be, is this going to be for a rental property? Yeah, old. Okay. Yeah, I would look at I would at just run my who, numbers conservatively. And look at who your potential tenants are too and make sure that you're able to find tenants. I have one town right now that we posted a listing, I think Sunday night, and already we have four people interested in the property. So it doesn't mean that there's people, people aren't looking. Um, you just got to know which markets people are looking for. So definitely do your research and maybe and be conservative on what you can get for rent. Um, I have another unit that has had no activity on it. And we actually did half off half off April's rent if you want to move in just to try to get someone interested in moving there. But yeah, yeah. like Felipe said, be conservative. I'm not getting a lot of less interest or anything. If not, I'm getting the same, if not more amount of interest of tenants. I think it's hitting every city differently. Um, so like like we've said a couple of times on here, make sure that you're you're looking at your numbers conservatively, making sure that you're not looking at the top of the market like we used to. Like, oh, I can get this much in rent. Look at what's the least that you can get and run your numbers based on that and then make offers based on that as well. But what was your second question, Glenn? So, Ashley, we spoke a little bit on Instagram Messenger, I think, a couple of weeks ago or like right around, oh, about a month and a half ago after I heard your episode saying that you encouraged my wife to be a property manager for yeah, yeah. our property. Yeah, so that now I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give her in terms of studying and learning and uh, for becoming a property manager? Good question. Well, first of all, yeah, it's definitely um, Brandon Turner's book on rental property investing. Has she read that? Do you know? It's a bigger pockets book. He's on the the first one, the buying the rental property book, but not the managing one yet. Yeah, yeah. Have her do um the managing one too. Both of those are really great. But also have her stick to the lease. Think about as many possible things as you can to put into the lease for scenarios that might come up because it's gonna be hard to be the bad guy <laughs> when issues come up. And this way you can blame everything on the lease. Like Oh, you know, I'm sorry that this happened, but in the lease it says 
This is how we take care of that situation. You signed the lease. I signed the lease. You know, I I can't go against the lease. We both signed it. So that that's my advice I would give. Felipe, you can probably give good advice. You manage your own properties too for a new yeah, property manager. I think I always use the excuse, I got to talk to my partner <laughs> when I don't like the <laughs> answer. But that gives me 24 hours to touch base on a certain situation. So like use those little things to your advantage. Don't ever give an answer based on emotion. I think that is the biggest, biggest yeah. thing. I think people overpromise when they're happy and then underdeliver when they're sad. So don't give a answer within 24 hours unless it's an emergency and fall to your operating procedures. You should never give an answer, period. The answer should always be searchable. And that's going to get you away from being sued. The answer needs to be on paper, on your website somewhere. So I think that's going to be my biggest advice is don't give an answer based on emotion. And then second, don't give an answer at all. Make sure it's on paper somewhere where you can tell them, hey, you can actually find that answer on our website. And if it's a new question, answer it strategically within the 24 hours and then create an SOP for that question because I guarantee you someone else is going to have that. Yeah, even if like when I first started out, I wrote a rules list and it just was like one, two, three, four, five. And it just had like, you know, if there's a lockout, that's, you know, a $20 fee. And just it went, it was a whole list of different scenarios and rules of what you could and couldn't do and what would happen if you did it. <laughs> so. Man, Ashley, if I had to sign a lease with you, God, I, have, <laughs> I would, I feel like I wouldn't read it. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my gosh, so much stuff. You probably have the best tenants. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right, Glenn. Thanks, buddy. Thank Appreciate you, Glenn. it, man. Yeah. Tell your wife good luck, and uh, we're rooting yeah. for her. Thanks, brother. All right. So okay. Next, we have uh, Sarah. So I know everyone's freaking out about the economy and things right now. Have you thought about like the classes of properties you have? I don't know if Ashley and I have ever even talked about this because you know yeah, we have like so. BNC class, and so I thought that would be something kind of fun to discuss or thinking about your own properties and how you feel if they're going to be like recession proof or not. Because I know some people with A class properties are really worried about that right now. So I'm going to kind of pick your brains on how you're feeling about your portfolio. That's a great question. A lot of mine are C's and B's too. I have several that are like a higher B, almost an A, low, low A. (laughs) But um, those (laughs) those are in a great, a great location. And I'm not, so I'm not really worried about them. I would be worried if I had a luxury apartments. I used to manage patio homes, brand new patio homes. And I do have a little concern for those. Um, It is the highest rent in the whole town. Um, I mean, they're beautiful, but they are a lot of, almost every unit is filled by a retired person. So I, you know, with the stock market going down, I mean, I'm assuming that most of their retirements accounts have gone down and it depends, you know, what their require, you know, their retirement is, their financial position. But I do have that fear that some of them won't won't be able to make those high rent payments anymore because their retirement has dropped so much that they might not want to renew another year paying that much out of pocket. Yeah, great question. For me, I I love where I stand. I've never, I've always kind of known that I wasn't ever going to buy a rental property that was like class A type style because I knew that was the top of the market. But I also wasn't going to buy like your D's, you know, like way C plus, yeah. you're way down there. I was always, um, when I was mentored during this, a lot of people that know my story from episode 329 on the Bigger Pockets episode, I always decided to rent to like construction workers, food service people, um, very middle class struggling to stay in the middle class tenants. Because for me, I've always felt those have been the best tenants. I didn't want nagging tenants way up top. And I didn't want people that weren't going to be paying their rent. I wanted people that were going to appreciate the property. So the only thing that's really happening to me is now I'm getting B plus 
tenants that want to pay cheaper prices coming to ask for me, if that makes sense. So I'm getting like better yeah. tenants because they want the cheaper rent versus like losing. And then my tenants are really wanting to stick around because they don't want to drop to, you know, the lower class tenants. I don't, not lower class, but lower individualized, you know, they want to make sure that the properties are where they want. We still, people don't want to live they want to keep their source or the way that they're living now. So for me personally, I've always just stuck to the middle. My mentor told me always, Felipe, shoot for the target money. And target like is in the store. So like you want people that are the managers of target renting from you. You know, you don't want, you know, the the the, the C-suite people at target. You want the managers, the guys that are making $50,000, $60,000 a year, who if they had to, they could drop down to an hourly rate, but still be able to afford your rent. So when, when I was told like, hey, for example, right now also, if I'm going to buy a property, it has to match two things, a flip, it has to be able to sell and rent, or it has to, you know, it has to meet two criteria. But I say the same thing with my tenants. I would want tenants that meet two criteria. Either they can be A and B class tenants, but definitely not like the, the, the super low rents neither. So I try to make sure that my tenants would be able to afford both if I could. And dropping my rents just a little bit isn't going to hurt. So that's going to help my tenants as a whole. I think right now, too, what's going on with coronavirus and people having to stay quarantined and be at home, that it's a lot easier for white collar workers to work remotely. And if you go on, you know, any kind of social media, that's what you see, all the great memes and everything of all these white collar workers that can work remotely. But then it's all the lower middle class, you know, that is getting laid off because they can't do their waitress job remotely or the luckily retail for grocery stores is still available. But if you worked at a clothing store, you're you're laid off right now. So I think it's it's very different because when I think of like the 2008 recession and I don't know a lot about it. I watch my favorite movie, The Big Short, but I think of, you know, corporate America getting people laid off from there. And this be interesting to see if a recession does play out or not. But right now, in our area, at least, we're only seeing those people who can't work remotely that are getting laid off. And that's, you know, the restaurant workers, retail, or anyone that can't do their job from a computer, I guess. Well, hope that answered your question, Sarah. All right. So I think we're bringing in uh, Kess next. Let's see what question he has. Been house hacking for the past five years. Had no idea what it was called since I started listening to... um, Bigger pockets earlier this year when my wife and I we wanted to take control of our future basically and started seeking knowledge on investing and things like that. And so, with some of the information that I have, I, it was more of an acquisition question. Do you guys think this is a great time, or maybe in the near future, to do more creative financing? Prices might drop, or people are scared of their homes losing value and stuff. And so let's say using lease option to lock in the price now with certain contingencies in there saying, well, if it drops more than $50,000, then I get to walk, you know, certain exit clause. Just your opinion on, on using creative financing in a time like this, of course, still having the right reserves. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think creative financing is really smart right now because you are able to set the terms more in your place. Whereas in even just like two months ago, they were putting out double digit interest rates and things like that. So I think right now, creative financing, hard money, you know, finding money outside of the banks is going to be really important. And if you can get the right terms, like you said, oh, if the value drops a certain amount, I want out. Like, I think a lot of you got to remember these people make money by letting you borrow money. So use that to your advantage. And I personally would use it but I would be very specific on my exit clause, maybe even have a shotgun clause of like 
20% drop, I'm out. No questions asked. Um, so just have, you know, those criteria in place. And then and how you're going to measure that. Like, exactly. How, yeah, exactly. how are you going to measure that? Is it going to have an appraisal done or what? Yeah. You have to definitely define every single thing that you're going to be doing. Almost like an outline, right? Like have the clause and then this is how it's going to all play out. And if it plays out like this, I can get out no questions asked. The only thing I would add to that is I would be worried about doing a balloon payment anytime within the next year. Uh, that's something I would stay away from as I wouldn't do, you know, like interest only payments or something for six months and then the, the total balance due. Um, so balloon payment, maybe even like the next year and a half is something I wouldn't want to do with creative financing. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank Thanks, you guys. for calling in. When he was talking about house hacking, you know, it made me think that um, I've been just like what's happening with renters not being able to pay rent, people not wanting to right. flip houses. Now might be the time to get into that house hacking. If you can pay the mortgage on your own without having tenants live by the room or in the other unit. And then if you do have them, it's just the cherry on top if you do have them. But I would say, it, I mean, do you agree that house hacking might be a safe strategy for a new investor? I mean, it's always been my favorite to get started, but during what's going on right now, do you think that right now would be good to house hack? If you, you have your reserves, you could afford the mortgage payment on your own, but why not try and get tenants in place, you know, if you can? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the only option that I would be doing right now. I wouldn't be doing Airbnb. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing flipping. I wouldn't be doing any high-end stuff. I wouldn't be doing any creative stuff even right now because the market is too <laughs> up and down and wishy-washy. Right now, I would be doing rent by the room, house hacking my way through. I can still buy properties, but they would be a strategic right. play on my first option would be, can I rent this by the room? Will it hold the mortgage? And can I make cash flow off of it? Um, that's that's definitely what I would be doing right now, as well as uh, making sure that my tenants are more like really digging into their lease and, uh, you know, how they answered the questions and calling the people that they that they wrote down as references, calling their jobs to make sure yeah. everything is good. Um, I would actually be doing those things. I know a lot of landlords have those <laughs> options, but uh, I don't know if they actually do it sometimes or not. So, yeah, yeah, I think personally that's I would be really digging into the tenants and uh, making sure the cash flow works based on rent by the room. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you agree with me for once. <laughs> I always agree with you. Well, no, not always. That's a, that's a lot. No. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We had so much fun taking callers. We'll have to do another one soon. And maybe I got really excited with the guy who was wholesaling. So maybe we'll have to do one with people who are just getting in and doing their first deal. <laughs> yeah, his was great. I really hope that he posts in the Facebook group, the Rookie Real Estate Facebook group. Um, if you haven't joined, go ahead and follow us there. We'll have a link up to it on the real estate show here on Bigger Pockets as well. So just make sure that you come in, you know, leave your questions, your comments. We're a network of just rookies that, that just want to make sure that we can help each other out. And especially the question about hustling. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can find our show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie four. And thank you for joining us. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys later. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. 
take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.